Welcome into another Daily Wager Extra podcast. We are taping this on Monday morning, December 27th. Hope everyone who celebrates Christmas had a wonderful weekend. With the holiday, we had plenty of football. Five island games, as we like to say. Already four under our belts. We have one more coming up tonight. Saints, Dolphins, Miami now road favorites as the Saints are relegated to a fourth-string quarterback. We'll get into that, but recap as much as we can in Week 16 with ESPN researcher extraordinaire Mackenzie Kramer. By the way, my name is Doug Kazarian. And uh, let's get to it and bring in Mackenzie. Mackenzie, so we had a lot of heavy favorites as playoff positionings was that had been up for grabs in this month of December. And some teams could clinch playoff berth division titles as well. And some teams definitely wet themselves, wet the bed, but the other teams definitely rose to the occasion. Yeah, we saw double-digit favorites go 4-1 and one against the spread this week, though, as you mentioned, the one team wet the bed significantly with the Chargers losing outright to the Texans as a 13-point favorite. That's tied for the second-largest upset this season, and, and uh, the Chargers' playoff dro- chances dropped 35% after they lost the biggest movement by any team. But overall, double-digit favorites, like I said, 4-1 and one against the spread. Last four weeks, 12-4 and four ATS. Had a bit of a blip last week when they struggled going two and three, but uh, bounced back week and double digit home favorites went three and zero against the spread. So some of the big favorites have been taking care of business recently. Yeah, you know it's funny we uh, regimes change with the Chargers, but they kind of still do Charger things. Now they really do NFL things. We see a lot of teams. Remember, uh, you know, it used to be Clemsoning, but in, in the NFL, it's just a league of parity. It is what it is. Very rarely do we get a consistent performance and domination from a team. I mean, we've seen teams go point spread wise, like 12 and four over the years, ATS, but for the most part, we see teams lay eggs. And, um, you know, one got one team I want to start with was Arizona. Cause that was a team I thought would be buy low and sell high on Colts, but this Cardinals team just fading. Remember they were seven and oh, the last undefeated to start the season. And Kyler Murray just looks drained and his body language is not the same. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss where this team has gone the last few weeks. Yeah, it's 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 hard to figure out what's gone with on with the Cardinals. A lot of people kind of been doubting them all season, but uh, now they're finally living up to uh, what a lot of people they kind of are doing the Denny Green. You are who uh, we thought you were entering the year. We're losing to the Colts outright at home, and I thought that line was interesting entering that game uh, with the Cardinals is only a short home favorite in that one with the better record against the Colts, but losing at home and they continue to struggle down the stretch. Kyler Murray, not a great game. We saw him among the MVP favorites earlier in the year, but for the second straight year, Cardinals falling apart in the second half of the year under Cliff Kingsbury. Was there a point where Kyler Murray was uh, odds on after like Uh, six or seven weeks? No, he was never odds on, but he was definitely the favorite earlier in the year, but uh, we didn't have an odds on favorite until Brady a couple weeks ago. And now we have a new odds on favorite in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. There was a point where it was Otani status. Like, how low is too low, right? Is there no value at Otani when he was even money after a month or so? And I was kind of, I made that comparison when I wrote the column, but you mentioned Rogers. So he is distinctly the, the betting favor. That's interesting. Where, where are we stand with the odds? And we'll get into Green Bay who won, but didn't cover thanks to a DPI. They did get the win or a DPI not called, I should say, but where are we on the odds for the MVP? Yeah. Rogers now the minus 170 favorite, the odds on favorite to win the award. Tom Brady, was about plus 150, two to one entering the week, depending where you looked. He's now down to plus 650 at Caesar Sportsbook. So I think that might be a little bit of value on Brady. It seems like the narrative flipped a lot two weeks ago when the Buccaneers got shut out on uh, in prime time. But all the way down to plus 650, I've seen plus 750 some other places on Brady. Uh, I have plus 700 from about a month ago on Brady. I thought that was looking pretty good, but that uh, <laughs> don't really have much value there anymore. But to close out the top five, 
Jonathan Taylor, seven to one as he's chasing 2000 yards, Patrick Mahomes, nine to one as the chiefs became the first team in the AFC to clinch and Josh Allen, 11 to one after the bills uh, knock off the Patriots to put a stranglehold in the AFC East. So let's talk both underdogs cover on Saturday Colts get the outright win. And then the Browns, it came down to the last, you know, few plays obviously. And, Four picks for Baker Mayfield, but they had their chance. The DPI not called. So the Packers uh, were the betting favorites going into Sunday, but obviously had one fewer game to play than the Chiefs. Chiefs get the win, emphatic win, no less over Pittsburgh. And so now the, the Chiefs are the betting favorites, which I do agree with because of combined probability of the path through the AFC, which is not that, that difficult, uh, all things considered, compared to the NFC which has such a top heavy and you would think those, those opponents are going to be more formidable, even for a one seed that has a buy. Uh, so the futures market makes sense. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I want to go back to some of the games. So we've talked, we've talked, we've talked about the Colts game, Packers game, nothing really to mention other than Aaron Rodgers is awesome. And we go to Sunday Steelers have now gone five straight games without a first half touchdown. Anita Marks gave out, uh, Chiefs first half against you know just because it was such a uh, you know distinct pattern uh, for the for the Steelers so that that was a good scoop there but it was all Kansas City now do we do we start to wonder if Kansas City really is back? I mean they've won eight in a row they've covered six in a row this is what we thought they were uh, entering the season this is what they did for most of last season until they kind of stumbled a little bit against the spread down the stretch. Uh, you mentioned the Steelers I think it's fascinating how their offense have been this year. They have now scored exactly as many points in the fourth quarter this season as they have in the first three quarters. And once again, their only touchdown comes in the final uh, couple minutes in this one to put that game over the closing total. This this total closed at 44, the lowest Patrick Mahomes has had in a couple of years. So that one goes over the total. There's some steam on the under in that game with the bad weather. Uh, ben Roethlisberger had only been a double-digit underdog once in his career. That came back in 2007 when they got blown out by the Patriots. Now they get blown out by the Chiefs, but... You're right. The Chiefs are now co-favorites to win the Super Bowl with the Packers, and they're the first team in the AFC. They're the only team in the AFC to clinch a playoff spot right now. They're on track to get the one seed. So based on all that, it looks like they're back. Yeah, I think yesterday was like their most impressive performance. I think the Chargers game, they got pretty lucky. The other opponents were not that uh, great. Now, not that the Steelers are great, but just the crispness and the sharpness the Chiefs played with in the domination. Now I, I I saw what I needed to see. And actually they did it without Kelsey, which is even more impressive, but I just felt like they were taking care of business against mediocre teams. Um, again, they got the chargers win. Yes. But you know, three, fourth down, uh, you know, uh, drives ending on fourth down inside the 10. So, but uh, elsewhere, I, I was really mad at myself when I saw this Eagles Giants first half I should have hammered the Eagles second half Jake Brown was lost out there Eagles are definitely the better team they pound um Buccaneers pound the Panthers Panthers have just been atrocious what is it 12 what were the straight losses since Cam came in um so they're 0-5 this year but in Cam Cam Newton's last 13 starts with the Panthers they're 0-13 straight up and 1-12 against the spread so that's it's a pretty crazy trend right now. If you just fade Cam Newton with the Panthers, you'd be making a lot of money recently. Yeah, that's pretty outrageous. Um, he has looked so feeble since coming back. It's it's just it's crazy to think he was once a league MVP. They were dominant, fifteen and one, went to the Super Bowl, and uh, were actually favored in that game. They lost to Denver. Bucks got back on track, but it was a pedestrian game. Uh, Panthers, you know, I don't even want to say pedestrian. Poor offense. Six points well, total. 
And they shuffle back and forth between quarterbacks all game. Cam gets the start, throws the pick. They put in Sam Darnold. Darnold makes a big play. They put Cam Newton back in, in the red zone. Darnold goes 15 for 32 for 190. Cam Newton, 7 for 13 for 61. Really rough game for the Panthers quarterbacks. And Panthers have also failed to cover six straight home games. And as for Tampa Bay, they it was the eighth time this year they've been a double-digit favorite. They're now 6-2 and two against the spread as a double-digit favorite. And they're going to be double-digit favorites also in their last two games because they visit the Jets this week. They face the Panthers at home in Week 18. They're going to be the first team to be favored that many times by double digits in one season since the 2007 Patriots, which, of course, finished the regular season 16-0. and Wow, that's impressive. And obviously, Tom Brady is their quarterback. I, I wonder if that line will get to, like, 17 against the Panthers. It might. I mean, it's hard to know what they'll be playing for in that game with only one bye week in each conference. You have to imagine they'll be playing for something, though. Right. And if they can't, right. if they can't play for the one seed, you know, they, they might not care if they're the two, the three or the four. So we'll see how that goes. Well, teams will care, right? Like they're not going to rest players if they can get the two seed versus the four. I mean, that's we've seen. I know happen, what you though. mean. Really? For two? Yeah. I mean, it's hmm, that's interesting. OK. OK. Yeah. I, I just think the Panthers are just. I mean, they're just pathetic right now. Um, we had an exciting finish. Detroit, Atlanta, Dan Campbell, maybe tanking, maybe not, <laughs> and kicks a field goal down seven with about five minutes to go from the eight-yard line. Just a remarkable, remarkable decision. <laughs> I mean, that's he pulled a Narduzzi. That's what Narduzzi did. Absolutely. And then he says things double down like, I trust my defense, which makes no sense because if you trust your defense, you should probably go for it because you trust your defense to get the ball back. But it's just, you know, you can only explain it to them. You can't understand it for them. But sure enough, the Lions got the ball back and had a chance and they botched it. Yeah, it almost actually worked out for them doing the weird field goal from fourth and five from the eight yard line with 238 left, which makes zero sense. I mean, if it's one thing, if it's like a fourth and 20 and it's like, all right, maybe we'll maybe you'll kick the field goal, try to get the ball back, count on the Falcons offense being inept. But that made zero sense. The line closed seven and a half, so it didn't affect the closing line, but a lot of people got numbers under seven, so it, it definitely helped those out if you had Falcons laying four and a half or five and a half or got the number before Goff was ruled out. Lions are now 10 and five against the spread of the season, nine and two against the spread when getting at least four points. So Lions might not be winning much, but they're winning at the window for betters. Not surprising after the first couple games and the Dan Campbell press conferences, you kind of knew this Lions game would come to play for most of the uh, season and be a, definitely a tough cover against and um, just questionable execution down the stretch there. Tim Boyle, their quarterback replacing Jared Goff. I want to go to another barn burner of a game <laughs> that uh, ended in a humorous way. And Twitter was going bananas was the Jets Jags. Uh, just take me through this. Cause I'm sure you were watching your beloved Jets and most people were not. Oh, I was there live in person for this game. I was rooting oh, so hard. God. I was rooting so hard for the Jaguars to get that win at the end as a Jets fan, just because I'm hoping they tank for Hutchinson or Thibodeau. I mean, ideally Wilson would play great and they would lose, but whatever. Nobody cares about that. So final drive, Jaguars get down to the one yard line and they spike the ball on third and goal from the one yard line with, I, don't, I didn't look right how much time was left, but probably about 10, 12 seconds left when it happened. They had plenty of time to run two plays there, but they spike, yeah, with 12 seconds left on the clock. And it just makes zero sense at that point. Call anything. Call a slant. Call a fade. Call, call anything. Just anything but spiking the ball. You have enough time to run two plays, and they just completely wasted a play there, and then they end up uh, throwing the ball incomplete on fourth down. The Jets hang on for a five-point win. Another over for the Jets. Jets have now gone over in nine of their last 12 games, nine and six of the over this season. I kind of like their over next week against the Bucks too, but uh, 
I don't think you can bet an over early in the week. I think that's one thing I've learned during the pandemic is if you're going to make a total play early in the week, take the under because these spreads aren't going to go super hot. They're, they're not going to move that much to the over. They might move a couple points here or there, but if you have a COVID outbreak on one of these teams, if one of the unders, if a quarterback gets knocked out, the under might move a lot. Whereas, so if you just bet blind unders at the beginning of the week, you might get weather coming in, you might get COVID issues, you might get all sorts of things. So I'm going to bet that over at some point this week, but I can't do it yet just because you never know if Tom Brady gets COVID or if the Jets get another COVID outbreak like they did this year, you, you never know. So, but uh, yeah, a big win for the Jets, even though uh, I wasn't, I was hoping they'd lose that one. All right. So yeah, maybe they were tanking. That was sort of the narrative on Twitter saying, oh, this is, this is a, a plus stuff from the Jags that tank and shoot themselves in the foot. I, it was just a comedy of errors. The tw- the live betting market was crazy. Jets were like $6 at the end. And then all of a sudden the Jags are three fifty, and it was just bad. I was like, what's going on in that game? Cause I only had a few televisions watching the games. All right. So just some more, that's plenty of Jets talking Jacks. Uh, <laughs> let's go to some much more meaningful games. Uh, Bill's Patriots. This is the game that, you know, I liked the bills on Monday night. And then the weather came in that a few weeks ago. And this was the sort of advantage the Bills had. I think this Pats team is limited. I love what Belichick has done. My coach of the year ticket is probably torn up. But just the fact that, like, Mac Jones is a low ceiling. I mean, he's a rookie. It's okay. But uh, you can't expect the Patriots. And we saw the steam come on Buffalo and Josh Allen played great. This was the Josh Allen a lot of people expected when uh, to see when he, he was one of the MVP favorites early in the year. Probably not going to win. And now, like I said, he's down to 11-1 right now. But uh, – Bills are now have a stranglehold in that division. They, they have an easy schedule down the stretch, and they have a tiebreaker over New England. Bills are now minus 800 to win this division. They were plus 145 entering the week, and you could have got them at 3-1 to one two weeks ago. Though you mentioned Belichick, coach of the year. He, he's still hanging around the odds market, but the losing streak, the back-to-back losses to the Patriots has not affected the rookie of the year props. Uh, Mac Jones still minus 500 to win that award. Uh, Jamar Chase didn't have a huge game this week, but uh, – even though it seemed like everybody else in the Bengals offense did. But uh, yeah, the uh, Bills 16, 8, and 1 ATS is an underdog with Josh Allen, 19, 9, and 1 ATS on the road. So those are two spots where you'd like to bet on Josh Allen. And like I said, Patriots, they covered seven in a row. They were looking so good. Now they've lost two in a row, failed to cover either one. And while they're almost certainly going to make the playoffs, they still haven't clinched anything yet. So uh, we'll see how New England goes in the playoffs. You like to think that they're, they're, the way their style of play will fit better in uh, January football, kind of like we saw a couple weeks ago with the Bills, than it is in a game where the weather's not that bad. But uh, yeah, big win for the Bills that game, and uh, right now, and the Bills kind of are who we thought they are. They're the number one team in FPI right now, and this is what we expected from them early in the year. Yeah, no, I um, I've been saying all along that Mac Jones should not be this huge favorite. I mean, when you're talking about production, it's not about quarterback. It's not a quarterback award for sale. Though Burrow went out last year, it's. It's just production. I think Chase has been outstanding. I mean, he's a top five wide receiver, basically. So I just think it, there's value still betting again. I just don't know what the voters going to do. And I don't know enough of the voting history of this award. So that's my, um, you know, two cents. I'm still so hoping Jalen Waddle has a big game tonight because Jalen Waddle, 65 to one. He has a chance to break the single season receptions record by a rookie. I mean, he's still got really? a long way to go, but 65 to one, if he has a big game on uh, Monday night tonight, I, I mean, the total is lowest in any game this season. So the odds are against that, but uh, you never know. I don't, I think it might be worth a small sprinkle. Okay. All right. All right. Um, okay. Let's keep it moving here. And I'm trying to think of the other ne- next big games. I think the Bengals was an interesting game given that Baltimore was relegated to Josh Johnson, former Jets starting quarterback earlier this year. <laughs> and uh, 
since he showed up. You know, you weren't sure if they could handle the pressure, the division crown in their grasp, given that Lamar Jackson was out, even Huntley was out, and the Bengals delivered. First half, big lead, and held on. Yeah, Bengals are now up to minus 250 to win that division. They're plus 130 entering the week, and they are 25 to 1 entering the year. So they're going to be one of the bigger long shots to win a division in a while if they hang on to it. Ravens, they're a team that you normally like to trust as an underdog under, under John Harbaugh. Since drafting Lamar Jackson, they've been 13-1 and against the spread as an underdog, including 4-0 against the spread when Lamar doesn't play. So it's not all Lamar Jackson in that stat. It's kind of funny with the Ravens' line movement recently. That, that line moved a ton once with uh, Lamar Jackson to Tyler Huntley to Josh Johnson, though. You look at all their numbers this season, there's kind of been minimal difference between the three. Obviously, long-term, you trust Lamar Jackson the most of that group, but a less than 100% Lamar Jackson might not be that much better than Tyler Huntley or Josh Johnson. Obviously, Johnson hadn't been there that long, so that, that had something to do with that line move as well. But you mentioned the Bengals. They're 4-0 with, against the Ravens and Steelers this year, and that's been a big key to their turnaround this year. They were 4-16 and against the, their two rivals of the previous five seasons, and uh, we now have uh, uh, and Joe Burrow, 525 I mean, yeah, passing yards. That's, that's the big storyline in that game, for sure. Yeah, we kind of buried the lead there. Fourth most in NFL history. Uh, only behind Norm Van Brocklin, Warren Moon, and Matt Schaub. So kind of a interesting mix on top of the single-game passing yards record. And uh, Ravens dropped to, to 35% chance to make the playoffs, according to the FPI. Their last two games against the Rams and the Steelers, their defense does not look good at all right now. They're just so banged up on both sides of the ball, especially on defense. They've lost four in a row. The previous three were by a combined four points. They were the first team in NFL history to lose three straight by a total of four points or less, but now they get blown out here, and the uh, Ravens are going to have an uphill climb to get back in the playoffs, even though right now they have a spot for the season right end right now. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, the Ravens, and I said this on air, it's like I didn't believe in them going into that Bengals game because Lamar Jackson has been the cheat code all season, right? This was not a typical Harbaugh team where it's balanced. I mean, they've been devastated with injuries both on offense and running back during the preseason and then the secondary. So uh, they had they'd blown, you know, they, they they were lucky to beat the Lions. They were lucky to beat the Colts on Monday night. They came back from, I think, 25 downs. So there was a lot to question with this Ravens team going into this, but Lamar Jackson would save the day so many times. And that is why I thought the Bengals would take care of business. I had them in a teaser. Now I had them in a teaser with Seattle, and we can go to that game now. Seahawks were up, what, 10, 17 or something like that first half. But the Bears, I mean, Foles, just like a game manager, if you will, made responsible plays, check downs, and the defense played well enough. And, you know, Seahawks lose outright. So the Bears come back, go for two, and then hold Russell Wilson and company. It was a game that was meaningless. Bears obviously had already been eliminated from the postseason. Seattle needed a million things to go their way to have a pulse. So it was a, it was a throwaway game. But I did like Seattle minus six and a half, but it did not get there. It was one of the more exciting games of the week, having a snow-covered field. Yeah. That's always fun to see, though it's kind of interesting seeing the snow game go over the total. A lot of people see snow in the forecast. They automatically want to bet the under, but snow doesn't necessarily mean an under. You want Wind is what you want when you bet the under, as we Good saw point. with that uh, Bills-Patriots game a couple weeks ago. Seahawks are now three and five outright as a favorite, losing as a touchdown favorite in this one. They clinched last in the NFC West in this game. Bears have been really bad against the spread. They entered the week tied with the worst ATS record with the Jets and the Jaguars. Jets and Bears both cover this week. Snaps a five-game streak without a cover for the Bears, but big win uh, there for Chicago. For sure, for sure. Injecting a little life, although they, you know, Bears fans want to see Justin Fields out there winning games for uh, give him some optimism. Let's go to last night's game. Uh, we could have gone to it earlier, but Cowboys clinched the division. They came out like with purpose, and Washington was flat as can be. Heineke was lost out there, but Cowboys 21-0 in the first quarter. 
this was a route from the start, but you just saw that that bounce in their step. They were ready to go take care of business, clinch this division, have their eye on one of the top seeds, and even going hurry up at the end of the first half, just kind of working on things and setting the tone, so to speak. And 56-14, the second half over got there on the last play or last few plays, the Washington garbage touchdown. It was 20 and a half was the total in the second half. There were some 21s out there. It was 14-7 Dallas, but just a bloodbath in, in favor of the Cowboys. And if you thought your Joe Burrow comeback player of the year tickets had some life after he throws for over 500 yards, Cowboys come out and blitz Washington earlier in this game. The the total went over in the first half. The second game that's happened in this season where the total went over in the first half of the full game. And uh, the other time was two weeks ago on Sunday night. So two out of the last three weeks on Sunday night football, you bet the over, you're cashing by halftime. So a blowout win here for Dallas. Dak Prescott, 330 yards and four touchdowns. Cowboys are now 12 and three against the spread this season, breaking a tie with the Packers for the best mark in the NFL after the Packers didn't cover against the Browns. Cowboys are 10 and 0 against the spread in conference games. They're now 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl this year, which I mean, you watch them play, it's like they have the, they have the super explosive offense on defense. They make turnovers every single game. They've Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, who might be two, the two most impressive defensive rookies of the year this year, though Parsons is going to run away with that award. So Dallas is looking really strong right now. The last team to start a year 12 and three against the spread was the 2016 Patriots, which went on to win the Super Bowl. So this Dallas team looking really, really good as we as we head down the stretch. Um, I agree. I was really impressed uh, with everything about them. Dak, there's so much to like with him and his game. And with, when they're healthy, remember that that kind of lull in the season when they went to Arrowhead and things like that. It was Cooper and D- CD Lamb. I mean, the, the cluster injuries and things like that really can hurt a quarterback. Um, so I was, uh, I was impressed across the board with just the, the sharpness, the Christmas, they took care of business. This is what you want when you're laying double digits and you have a better team going against a team that has nothing to play for. You want that attitude and that dangled care at the end of the season kind of leads to it. At least you would hope, although the chargers didn't demonstrate that, but you know, you have the Texans some credit, some credit too. And Davis Mills played okay in that game. Um, one other game, I mean, Rams Vikings was one of the premier games. We didn't touch on it. Vikes had a chance to cover. Uh, but what else is new? They they finished with a one-score game, and that's what they do. They lost Rams uh, undefeated in December, so perhaps uh, taking care of business down uh, now. You know this this home playoff stretch here. Twelfth straight one-score game for the Vikings, like you mentioned, uh, tied for the tied for the longest single-season streak in NFL history. So Minnesota, another one-score game, though they don't get the cover as they're only getting three in this one. And we talked about the Cardinals earlier and how they're falling apart. Well, the Rams are going the complete opposite direction, like you just mentioned. Rams are now minus 300 to win that division. Two weeks ago, you could have got them at plus 750. So that division has really flipped on its head. Another big game for Justin Jefferson another and the loss. Another big game for Cooper Cup, who has kind of killed Matthew Stafford's MVP campaign along with Stafford throwing three interceptions. So if you had a – you could kind of tear up your Matthew Stafford tickets right now if you hadn't already. But this Rams team is also hitting its stride down the stretch along with, uh, with uh, Dallas, like we just mentioned. So, yeah, what are the cup odds? Because a lot of people have asked me that. Uh, let me pull that up really quick. MVP, uh, for, M- for MVP, that is. Obviously. Right, yep. Yeah, Caesars right now, he is 25 to 1, and Stafford's dropped all the way to 50 to 1. I saw him at like 16 to 1 entering the week, so Stafford's pretty dead. Uh, yeah, cup at 25 to 1, Jonathan Taylor, 7 to 1. Those are your two uh, non-quarterbacks who have any chance. The thing with cup, it's like you could tell me that you have a great bet on cup at 200 to 1 or 300 to 1. I just don't see really any chance of him actually winning this award over a quarterback. He's not going to win. I'm sorry. Exactly. He's just not going to win. Jonathan Taylor has a pulse. 
but but Cup is not going to win. It's so not. hard for a receiver to win this award. It's just like they're not even the one seat. Like there's just like these there's sucker bets out there, and it's a sucker bet. Obviously, at twenty five to one, but even at fifty to one, it's just not going to happen. Remember, Steph Curry was doing his crazy stuff in the NBA last year, and Jokic had the thing wrapped up, and everyone's like, "Oh, you can get Curry thirty to one." It's like, fine, go bet him. Like that's just throwing away money when the stuff's already been. Like it's been like decided almost like there are, it's just kind of like there's narratives and there's things like that. You have to pay attention to that stuff because it's, a, it's humans that are voting. This is not like a team, you know, the, the, the team up, you know, favored by 14, like, Oh, there's no chance. Like you have to play the game there. In this case, like people, it's humans, you're, you're handicapped and they've made up their mind. And, and now obviously things can change. Anything's possible, but do you guys really think a media member when things are publicized, you're going to vote for Cooper cup for MVP when there's Rodgers out there and when there's even Taylor, I think is the chic pick right now. Well, if, the, if you were to go away from quarterbacks. Exactly. Like if you're going to go away from quarterback, Taylor is the way to go. We've never seen a, a wide receiver win the MVP just because any receiver that has a big season, you could, you just give it to their quarterback because they're the one producing all the numbers. So I, I agree. You, you might get some closing line value on Cooper cup, but it's not going to cash you at the window. Awesome. So uh, let's go to one last game is the Raiders Broncos. I thought it was a nice effort by the Raiders on a short week. Uh, they take care of business after the ridiculous pass and interception by Derek Carr at the end of the first half, but they bounced back, stayed alive in the playoff hunt. Raiders are showing people something a little bit with the win in Cleveland, the dog pound and, and, you know, and then a short week come home and take care of business. It's a, a you know, respectable Broncos team. Yeah, for most of uh, Derek Carr's career, the over and co- and uh, the Raiders covering was pretty correlated. That second straight week now, the Raiders get the cover because their defense allowing less than 20 points each of the last two games of the win. Raiders were uh, minus three in turnovers this game, but the Broncos offense was completely inept with 18 rushing yards. Drew Locke kind of had like the Teddy Bridgewater game. Like he wasn't, you got to figure that Drew Locke is going to be some high risk, high reward stuff in there, but 15 for 22, 153 yards, not really that many big plays, just the one 40-yard pass to Jerry Judy in that one. And the Broncos are are pretty dead now in case you, in case you thought they had any chance. Raiders have now covered seven of the last eight meetings in that one. And uh, another Vic Fangio under. Vic Fangio, 29 and 18 to the under since he's become the, Ra- the Broncos head coach. That's the best mark in the NFL. And the Broncos are now 12 and three to the under this year, also the best mark in the NFL. So Broncos unders continue to cash. You know, it's funny. I said it on the Daily Wager show. I said, look, I'd be under in the first meeting, and this game should have gone under. Like, it was Carr had two third and longs converted, like one of those Hail Marys to like Zay Jones running a post route. Otherwise, it, it should have been an under. And I, I should have probably fired the under because the matchup lended itself, but I did not. So, so mode of P. <laughs> um, okay. So, that we pivot now to Monday night, and I, I'm on Miami minus two and a half. It's up to three at most places. They are road favorites. Look, I get the Superdome, Camara, but you're talking about Ian Book, who's never taken that. NFL snap in the regular season. He's done the preseason, but that's against vanilla defenses. I just think Brian Flores and the fish or the mammals, I should say, will have enough complex looks. I don't think much of the Saints. Remember, we thought on Thursday night on Thanksgiving that they would show up and all that. And they got they got you know smoked by Buffalo. So you, the, the, the the voodoo magic of the Super Bowl is only good when the team is good. Go figure. And so I'm um I'm on the on the Miami now. It is a low total, high 30s. So that does give me a little pause because the Dolphins are perfectly comfortable kind of playing a low-scoring game and eking out a win, but I still have to lay the, the short number. And the odds makers are uh, counting on this being a low-scoring game with the lowest total all year, 37.5 right now. Uh, that line flipped on its head once uh, the Saints quarterbacks got ruled out. 
That was minus three for the Saints. Now it's minus three for the Dolphins. I'm also seeing minus 120 on the juice for the Dolphins. So this might even close three and a half uh, the way it's trending. Saints have been so good as an underdog under Sean Payton where it's hard to fade them, especially as a home dog. But with Ian Book at under center, you really just don't know what yeah, to Yeah, I mean, that was Drew B. That was Drew exactly. B's era, you know? Yeah. It's it's Payton, but it's also like other teams. And and the whole home field, like the, the Seattle, like they were great when the Legion of Boom was great, right? When they weren't great, I mean, look what happened yesterday, right? So the, you think of the 12th man, all this stuff. It's not that hard to go to play a team that's not dominant, right? Like road teams have done well. So just be careful with some of that mystique. Like the teams, they're really good at home when they are really good rosters. It's, it's, it's go figure that they're correlated. Uh, anything else? To, we lo- go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's always hard to, to separate the coach from the quarterback with uh, trends like this. Like, you know, you have, you have the Steelers. Like, are they good as an underdog because of Mike Tomlin or because of Ben Roethlisberger because of the defense? Or is Bill Belichick really good as an underdog or really good against the spread? Or is it Tom Brady? Is it Sean Payton or is it Drew Brees? So, you know, as we see some of these coaches get away from these quarterbacks, we'll see Ben Roethlisberger likely retire after this year. And then we'll get a better idea of just how good some of these coaches are. Um, but yeah, the Dolphins have, have won six in a row, going five and one in the ATS in that span. I don't really have a strong lean on this game, but uh, yeah, it's one of the uglier Monday night football games of the year for sure. Yeah, and in terms of those trends, they're not all predictive, right? Like they're just exactly. kind of fun facts. Um, oh, yeah. Now in college where you have more turnover, like Pat Fitzgerald for Northwestern is a dog. But again, not always 100% predictive, but some teams or some coaches or whatever. But you're right. Is it Belichick or is it Belichick and Brady? Is it Brady or is it Belichick and Brady? So uh, look, it was fun to rehash. Anything else we left out from earlier games? Um, we didn't really talk that much about the Chargers Texans game, so I had a couple notes on that. Um, Texans at plus thirteen ties the second largest upset this season. Uh, we had the Lions plus thirteen beat the Cardinals last week. We had the Jaguars beat the Bills nine to six in Week Nine as a fifteen and a half point dog. Uh, so we've had three uh, teams win outright as thirteen point dogs this year. It's the first time since two thousand nine we've had back to back weeks where a thirteen point underdog wins outright. We'll have. A couple big favorites again next week, so we'll see if we can make it three in a row. Um, we didn't have a single double-digit upset in any of the first seven weeks. We talked about how survivor pools, how every single one of them, the chalk kept winning every single week. Right. Well, this lately, that's completely flipped on its head. After after having no double-digit upsets in the last first seven weeks, we've had eight in the last nine weeks, including three in the last two weeks. So the double-digit underdogs are starting to cash. It seems like they either get crushed or they win outright. I mean, like I said, they're 12 and four against the double digit favorites or 12 and four against the spread the last four weeks. But we've seen some of those teams that didn't cover lose outright. So we'll see how that goes, uh, how that trend continues the rest of the year. Um, yeah, that will be interesting to keep an eye on things like that. Um, but I expect some teams will not be. I mean, when I say that, the Chargers just lost a double-digit favor. So I take that back. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, so good look at the futures. I'm going to write my column today at Post-Tuesday. Uh, really interesting to see how this home stretch is going to play out. I think that extra wild card uh, team that was um, implemented a year ago has really shaken things up. So uh, it's exciting. All of it is really cool. And, um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But but always appreciate your insight and your uh, your hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. And like you said with the futures, just to round out the top five, Packers okay. plus 425, Chiefs plus, plus 425, Buccaneers plus 650, and then the Rams and Bills are both 9-1. to one. So those are your top five in the Super Bowl odds market right now, according to Caesar Sportsbook. I can see the Bills being pretty tempting uh, to a lot of people out there. I, I agree, though. It's just tough that you missed that number because you could have gotten like 10-1, to 12-1. to one. There might be a little bit higher depending on where you look just a couple weeks ago. So 9-1 to one is not the best number, but it's the best number available right now potentially, and that's all that matters in the end. 
Yeah, the AFC picture is just going to be so wide open, just nuts. Um, all right, bud. Good stuff as always. Thanks to everyone for downloading and uh, you know rating and listening and all that good stuff. And we have the daily one Monday through Friday. That's ten minutes. And the other daily wager extra is on Thursdays with Las Vegas odds maker John Murray. Appreciate everyone, and uh, we'll see you on the tube 4 p.m. Eastern this week on ESPN two for daily wager earlier time slot. Given all the bowl games throughout the week. Mm-hmm.